So how, on God's gray earth, did this? Oh, such a perfect day, you just keep me hanging on. You and this? On the island, in the back room, she was everybody's darling. But she never lost her head, even when she was given head, she says, hey, babe. Take a walk on the wild side. And even this. Dear mother, dear father, what is this hell you have put me through? Believe a deceiver. Day in, day out, live my life through you. Push down on me what's wrong or right. Hidden from this thing that they call life. Become this. An idiot's idiocy. My caring. My caring for you. My caring for you, you're way beyond caring. Your heart on your sleeve, a red star of idiocy. to Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album that sticks out like a sore thumb in an artist's discography. (laughs) (laughs) It may be their best album, it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. This week on the panel, we have Logan Renard, Matthew Marr, and I am the table. Uh, this week we will be discussing the best album ever by Metallica and Lou Reed, uh, Lulu. So I guess start with, um, well, we've discussed Lou Reed before. What about Metallica? What do we think of Metallica? Right, I, I have something to say about Metallica. What do you yeah, have to say uh, about Metallica? Uh, I love Metallica. Uh, even, even, uh, even though that they have, um, in my humble opinion, I'm not alone in this. Even although they have gone in very, um, uh, I'll just say, unappealing directions um, ever since that, uh, um, and maybe I'll maybe I will get on the shit list of Metallica fans here. Um, uh, you know, since that um, misadventure known as the Black Album, um, which uh, sort of changed their career from thrash metal yes. um, to. Um, Sort of, sort of uh, this sort of outlier of hard rock, I guess, is where we we'd put it. But it also it also made them household names and uh, insanely wealthy. Um, and uh, so so I think that that um, and it's also given them a lot of freedom to explore things artistically, and uh, which which I admire greatly. I really like it when when artists try not to do what they've always already done. That they try to push the envelope in different directions, um, and it's just unfortunate that uh, for me that a lot of the stuff they did I, I don't necessarily they pushed in the wrong direction. Right. Enjoy that much, but still, still they're trying. Um, and, and and you know, for those of you not in the know, I can't imagine there's a lot of you, but I'll just give the very quick, very quick uh, spiel, as large Lars would say it. Uh, Metallica emerged in the early 1980s um, as as a you know a heavy metal band that riding the wave 
of a resurgence of British heavy metal. And, and uh, uh, that, you know, so metal was becoming popular again, right? And they were, they were from Los Angeles, but they moved up to uh, San Francisco and, and they started to gain, gain a quick uh, following among, among the very hardcore sort of punk slash metal scene, which turns into a genre now known as thrash metal. And uh, they, were, they were the forerunners in part because compared to the other thrash metal bands, they, they had um, a, a certain level of um, musical ability. That, that really challenged the other groups, right, in the, in the genre, right? They were, they were more technically, uh, you know, advanced, I guess I should say. But they were still, they were still uh, ferociously uh, punk in the sense that they were not going to be, um, they were not going to be Bon Jovi. They were not going to be um, Def Leppard, right? Uh-huh. They were not going to be Motley Crue. They were not going to be MTV, right? They were going to be the real deal. They were going to be hardcore. And they they uh, they released um, four four quality you know quality albums, and and um, um, then their uh, uh, you know before the first one was recorded, their their bass player died tragically. Did anyone I, notice? And, 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 and uh, yes, and, and, uh, it seemed yeah yeah it seemed like a most well, people noticed, you were but, you uh, were saying that they were musically yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a good ninety percent of their uh, clever musicality is. Cliff was responsible for that. Yeah, the, that's the bass player. The bass player their their bass yeah. player was pretty much responsible for the wow. These guys really can write and perform these complex and oh, yeah. I, I intricate don't understand. songs. I thought metal music didn't have bass players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You like, still could never really hear him. Yeah, you could never, never really hear him. But Except he, on like the Orion stuff, where with, all you I, can hear is distorted bass, but. Cliff was the guy who could who could actually you know read and write music, and he you know understood uh, harmony and mel- melody, and and uh, so he was you know he was he was very instrumental. I would say <clears throat> the Metallica sound, though, you know, it did have a lot to do with Cliff. It had a lot to do with with uh, James Hetfield's right hand, you know, sort of lightning fast, but but um, precision precision rhythm uh, guitar that that really drove you know drove the band along um and and you know it's like like tons of bands do this now so it's not like you know like if you go back and listen you might not go i'm not so impressed by their technicality at the time it was not like other metal right it was way faster it was way more aggressive and it was way more the arrangements were just way more complex it was it was very interesting music it also dealt with um more um poignant and socially conscious subject matter not um, as many dragons and fairies not as many they had a couple of those here and there but but for, for but they they really did you know they had they had songs about um uh you know the death penalty for example by the way they were against it right um called ride the lightning they had an entire album called and justice for all which um you know uh, dealt with um a, a lot of themes including nuclear winter um you know as the the title track uh, mentions the uh you know the um um uh you know the 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 um how how um, the American justice system is you know available to the highest bidder and and uh, you know and they also had songs uh, that were very critical of of um, evangelical Christianity you know they had a song called Leper Messiah by the way they had songs that were anti-war like um, you know the the more famous one and the less famous but more interesting Disposable Heroes they they um, they they were they were uh, very much. Very much a, a, a cutting edge band. Now, now something happened though, 
And and I did I did read an interview once, you know, and you can always take interviews with rock stars with a grain of salt. But um, James said that he started freaking out when people said that Metallica was a political band, right? And what they were getting was positive criticism from the critics for their lyrical content. Yeah. And so he made a conscious decision to back away from songs with substance, and, and um, or I shouldn't say that with with uh, social substance, and and sort of retreat into a more solipsistic direction. Where everything is, you know, about you know personal personal uh, feelings and that sort of thing, and the result the result was is they hired a, a hotshot producer named Bob Rock to produce for them the Black Album. Uh, which he's their new bass player, right? You mean yes. noted <laughs> bass player? Yeah, Bob yes. Rock. Noted oh, bass yeah. player. I saw Bob the movie. That yeah. was a great movie. And they they thrust them into the uh, the national the national spotlight and made them you know forever forever you know iconic right iconic images of, of popular music and and um, um, but it also it also um, caused them a, a type of popularity that they had always claimed to despise they had uh, you know they didn't sound like like a motley crew they didn't sound like Def Leppard but now they fit into that genre in a way in a way that they never had before and I think it caused for them a bit of identity crisis. And ever since that time, they've been trying to uh, sort of figure out who they are, and uh, uh, you know, and they've made some some good music here and there. Uh, most of their albums, in my humble opinion, are a bit hit and miss. Uh, most recently, they've gone back to their thrash thrash metal um, roots, um, which which I appreciate because I just enjoy that kind of music. Um, but in the meantime, they made they made um, you know load and reload. Which was um, hard rock. The, the suitably titled. Yeah, they sort of abandoned metal and went for hard rock, and and uh, yeah, right with Bob Rock, and um, you know they had some some moments in those, but for two CDs, you know maybe the moments weren't there often enough for their metal fans. Um, they did uh, they did you know go through um, uh, crises of uh, personnel. Right, you know, they're, they're the replacement ba- bass player uh, Jason Newstead was with them for a long time, and he was uh, uh, unceremoniously dismissed from the band for uh, not not um, uh, you know um, not kissing enough ass apparently, and and uh, um, and uh, you know and uh, um, uh, their their newest bass player um, has really uh, done a lot for them to help push them in a more in a more uh, creative direction once again. Rob is probably like. I, I can't imagine a better cliff replacement. Yeah, Rob, as, yeah, Rob as Trujillo. far as chops and just all around musicality. Right. Yes, formerly of suicidal tendencies and um, infectious um, grooves, infectious grooves, right, and and several other several other projects, right. So Metallica is still alive and, and going strong, right. You know, so so that's the background. Now, now what what happened immediately uh, preceding this album? Was when they first they made their first attempt to get back to their their roots. They hired another hotshot producer, um, Jeff Lynne. Uh, yeah, Jeff Lynne was it? No, no, it was the um, um, who was the uh, the rap guy who also did the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Yeah. That's it. Rick Rubin. They hired Rick Rubin, and they did this album called Death Mag- Magnetic, which has um, which does have some very cool uh, thrash metal songs on it. Um, it also was. Um, uh, in the in the era of the loudness wars, and they they basically um, one. It's the Zarbamba. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, so the album wars. is kind of unpleasant to listen to for any length of time, as it gets very harsh. But um, but uh, but nonetheless, the fans were ecstatic. This is the best thing Metallica ever did, and they were just 
clamoring for the next thing that comes out from Metallica. And the next thing that comes out from Metallica is Lulu with Lou Reed. Yeah, well, it sounds like Metallica fans do not like when they change the formula at all. They got real angry at St. Anger, and that just has a bad snare sound on it. On the other hand, Lou Reed fans are used to Lou doing stupid shit. <laughs> by this point, you know, we've had That's metal machine music and Berlin and whatever else he's done over the years. I like Berlin. People like Berlin. He dyed his hair blonde. He's done some stupid shit. So people yeah. are used to Lou Reed being crazy. I think Metallica fans are still not okay with Metallica not being Metallica, which is why I think they hated it more than Lou Reed fans. Oh, I, I agree. And I think most most um, most Metallica fans, you know, certainly I don't know them all. There are literally of millions of them. They, um, I don't think they know who, I don't think that most of them knew who Lou Reed was. Yeah. And I think most casual rock fans only, they know Lou Reed from um, Take Walk a Walk on the Wild, wild Side, side yeah. or Walk on the Wild Side, or maybe if they're more punk-oriented, they'll know some of the Velvet Underground stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like... Um, heroin or rock and roll right? yeah they they you know they the groove on that the more kind of normalish velvet yeah, yeah. stuff sweet jane um, yeah you don't have to justify yeah. how that's a song when you're listening to right yeah. right to yeah. those yeah, where yeah exactly a, a lot of his later yeah career choices especially yeah metal machine music um there's just it's thoroughly in the art rock kind of almost anti-music kind almost, of territory yeah, almost a lot of time um, but um uh, yeah and and um i'll i'll um look when, when i when i heard of this i wanted to hear it right away and i don't really read musical press very much so so i was late to the party right it was a couple of years after this released i was even unaware of the controversy when i when i heard lou reed plus metallica like i had a sound in my head that okay i know what lou reed sounds like <laughs> Um, because yeah. I am familiar with 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 his more non yeah. straight ahead rock and roll stuff, and, and I do, and I know what Metallica sounds like, and and when I put it on, I was like, this is exactly what I thought it would sound like. And then I read about the controversy, and I was like, why would this be controversial to anyone? This is what it should sound like. This yeah, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. It tastes like peanut butter yeah, chocolate. Right. Exactly. You know, what do you I, want? <laughs> I had exactly the same thought as you, Matt, with this, except. Being a person who likes the older Metallica, the real thrash metal Metallica, yeah, yeah. it still short circuits my brain when it, when I hear what contemporary Metallica sounds like, and I, I I don't care for that. Yeah, like that's the part. If this was like Ride the Lightning, you know, era, and yeah. Cliff was still alive somehow, or something like that, and you had yeah, old ass Lou Reed, you know, mumbling over the top of. It would be awesome, but well, you know, <laughs> it was just the the yes. sound of contemporary Metallica that took took me out of it. it. It's it's in the right direction for you know late period Lou Reed stuff, but it's kind of it's pop, man. Metallica has been a pop band for a yeah. long time, and and so a lot of the rough edges that used to be the secret sauce in their in their songs have been you know rounded off. Right, right. Right now, it's it's very, you know, it's been it's been extruded through a. <laughs> right. But but I will I will say this having having because um, a new Metallica album comes out I I get it I listen to it just because I'm a fan right yeah um, I agree with you generally speaking I'm 
don't listen to it a lot. But but um, you know, but I'm just curious. I want to know what's going on. Make sure I, Lars is okay. What one of the one of the things that Bob Rock brought to the table that helped sell Metallica was was what I like least about the pop Metallica, which is um, James Hetfield trying to be a singer. And he got him to do lots of things like, you know, yeah, and oh, and, you know, these these sort of like inflections to sort of, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, woman, you know, this this sort of stuff, right? It's it's like, it's just, it's It's just not. Extremely slow motion auctioneer or something. and, And what I love about this album from the Metallica side of things is James doesn't have the opportunity to do that very much. He's a small town garage. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, you know, so he's doing mainly, mainly backing vocals and, and he still ends up with a, a few of those James isms in there. Uh, but it's still, it's still, um, um, to me, it was, um, a relief. It's like, oh, I don't have to get mad at James now. I can, <laughs> you know, I can, I can just, I can just listen to this. Um, but anyway, um, um, as far as as far as uh, um, this combination goes, though, I think it I think it's kind of interesting how they how they um, how they ended up getting together. Then they play together at like a rock and roll Hall of Fame anniversary something, and and you know, despite the fact that everyone else in the world thought this was a horrible idea, they enjoyed each other's company and decided to do a whole album yeah they i think they they really yeah uh, perhaps surprisingly they found themselves to be um kindred spirits of a sort you know um maybe from an outside perspective it, it looks strange but but you know when you think of um lou reed is is always like um heavy loud dissonant sounds among other sounds yes, yes. and you know uh metallica does that in spades but but for the rock and roll hall of fame thing they were doing you know, lose pop songs. I think, yeah. right? Yeah, like Sweet the, Jane. I think was the Sweet Jane and White Light, White Heat. Yeah, that, something that, like that. That kind of you know stuff. And and uh, yeah, and I think I think that that um, um, I, I read this great quote uh, from Lou Reed about this. Is is he he apparently got upset at an interview who who asked him like you know how did this strange pairing come about? And he's like, what's strange about it? There's nothing strange about this. He said, "Look, Metallica and Cher—that would be strange, mm, right? right? <laughs> like, now I'm thinking, <laughs> like, like a Metallica Lurie. He goes, this is natural, and and, and uh, you know, and so so. If that is true, if he's not just bullshitting, then then we're, we kind of missed something from the persona of these two bands. Yeah, you know that they they would find it so easy to to sort of work together." Now, ultimately, do you think Lulu, I mean, when you put this in your CD collection, do you file it under Reed or do you file it under Metallica? I think it's Lou Reed. Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, agreed. It's, it's Metallica backing Lou Reed. In fact, it feels like if you ever see like a, you know, Dobie Gillis or So I Married an Axe Murder where you have like a parody of a beat poet and they have like a jazz trio <laughs> yes. or a bongo player trying to like play along to their their beat poetry their spoken word that's what it sounds like metallica is trying to do for lou yeah yeah that's it is that's a that is a um i like that description that's kind of kind of what's going on they're the they're the bongo players behind the beat poet behind toby gillis <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as lou reed <laughs> there's a i mean there's a fair amount of punk stuff that is like uh, Saccharine Trust or some Minutemen adjacent projects. And um, yeah, there, there's some early proto punk that's in 
from well i mean even you could invoke like the doors or something like that where it's pretty much sonic backdrop for spoken word I yeah mean, so. i think the doors last album they just took one of jim morrison's poetry readings and since he was dead and plastered their own right yeah. and they, they did, fills they did, on top um, of it. backing tracks to it exactly yeah. yeah and this is i mean and any number of lou reed albums where that's that's what he's doing and he's, yeah. he's hired a particular band um I'd like to say that Lou always has a killer band. Like the list of people who've played on Lou Reed albums later in his career is yeah. nuts. And, from, and if, if you can believe the the interviews with Lou Reed, which again, you don't always know salt, with yeah. him, right? You don't always know with him. Um, you would include Metallica with that because he said this is who he wanted. He wanted this, right? He wanted this sound. He wanted these people. He thought it was the perfect thing. For what he wanted, you know, for what he was trying to do. I did see on YouTube there are a lot of people who have gone through and removed the Lou Reed from it. So you could just listen to the Metallica without Lou Reed, Lou Lou, which seems like the most boring, uninteresting. Yeah, wouldn't that be elevator music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a band practice. Yeah, yeah. it would just be a one riff for eight minutes or yeah, and then with some of these songs, you know, we'll, we'll get into them. I, I like, um, as, as you know, like, you know, speaking of musicianship, you know, um, uh, their 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 guitar player, you know, not not James Kirk Hammett, you know, he is a, a first rate shredder, and and um, um, you know he's he's um, probably more due to Metallica's popularity than his abilities, but he's you know won pole after pole as best guitar player in Guitar Player magazine that sort yeah, of stuff, yeah. right? He can he can go he can go crazy with the best of them. On this, he's doing a lot of atmospheric stuff, which which is kind of. Um, um, uh, well, which is which is I think it's interesting because he gets to stretch out in a way that he's he's n not able to normally in Metallica, which is um, uh, in Metallica. Usually the songs are all written and he comes in and does a really fast guitar solo. And then that's yeah. the end of it. Just right. it's um, all about the notes per second. Right. Right. And here here he uh, you know, he gets to. Um, yeah. And, you know, and he, he can he can play melodically fast, which is which is, you know, nice. But um, he um, um here, here he's, you know, there's not a lot of that going on. No, there's no. not a lot of anything going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, so there's a bit of a heavy metal uncanny valley thing going on with, like, there, there's a whole genre of sludge and stoner doom metal that's just one, one big heavy riff for, like, ten minutes, right? And then more towards the traditional thrash side of things, one of the hallmarks of that style of metal is that not only is it fast, but the songs are complex and usually have classical leanings. And uh, so Lulu kind of finds itself smack in the middle of not being extremely slow or fast enough to be interesting and also not doing much. It's, it's a bit of a well, dirge. Yeah, it is. Well, we should, we should talk about what it is. I mean, yeah, it's based on a pair of plays by some German playwright from like 1910 or something like that. Uh, the late, the late 19th, early 20th century. Yeah, about a, a streetwalker turned socialite turned streetwalker, and eventually a victim of Jack the Ripper. I've not read the plays, but Lou sings most of the lyrics from the point of view of the titular Lou Lou. And that does add to the um, or 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 by some of her clients. Yeah, so right, that does add to the confusion because he's singing from multiple characters' point of views, frequently female character point of views, 
Which, yeah. Yeah, he's singing from the point of, when he sings his Lulu, he's singing his point of a, of a young woman. Yes. A very, a very um, sexually... Uh, voracious. Active, voracious, yeah, um, a young woman. And, and those plays, uh, from what a little I know about them, they were, they were meant to be a, a challenge to um, bourgeois... Uh, sexual values yeah right you know that that um you know that this was a a time period when when you're coming out of the victorian era where it was among uh bourgeois people bourgeois women it was seen as too too um sexually charged to show your ankles or wrists in public you know things of things of this nature um it was um not the morality of most people but it was the morality of the ruling class yeah Right and and sort of sort of inflicted on everyone else and and uh, as we all know uh, as we all know or as we all should know is that um, you can you can try to repress sexuality but it is not the nature of human beings to um, be asexual and so so when you when you have that kind of repression going on there's always going to be a reaction coming out from a different different way right and I think these plays were meant to to challenge these things and provoke I, I think the playwright not for these plays but for something else even was thrown in prison for a while. For, for what he wrote. So, yeah, that that, um, that adds an extra layer of difficulty for people attempting to listen to this, particularly Metallica fans as opposed yeah, to Lou Reed fans. And and you could you could argue, you know, like like on on a, depending on how you want to approach this, you know, you could say it's kind of creepy for an old guy, which Lou Reed is, Lou Reed is at this point. You know, yes. He's pushing 70, I think when this is this made. This was his last album. Yeah, yes. that uh, and and he uh, you know, and he's he's singing in the voice of a of a young woman, right? You know, um who who is a, you know, like you said socialite and then prostitute um and in very graphic ways. Yes, the word vulva has appeared more in this album than any other album I've listened to. Right, right, and and that's and that's that's just you know that that just that dynamic you could Talk say is rhyme. disturbing. Yeah, but this is this is kind of like what I get. This is what Lou Reed's trying to do. He's you know I mean he he wants it to be disturbing, it's shocking. But it, and and you know and I don't think in the sort of creepy old man lecherously you know like objectifying a young woman no. it's more the opposite it's like this is one shitty situation this girl has found yeah, herself no in. there's a lot of gross stuff yeah dismemberment exactly. and, 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 and so so he's singing this stuff he wants it you know he wants that to come across and i think i think this is why he chose metallica to do this um because because they have they have um with just their sound Right, with just their sound, they they have a way of of um, uh, creating, uh, you know, a sonic landscape that is in and of itself um, disturbing. Yeah, um, I you know just my my casual criticism, and we can get in this you know more as we go along. I I, I tend to think it's not quite disturbing enough. Um, yeah, he should have made this with Cannibal Corpse or something. Yeah, yeah, something, you know. something yeah, might have. Well, and you know, of course, of course, the thing is, is that with Lou Reed, you know that I mean, I don't know how much this plays into his mind, but it's like you get Metallica to do this. It's like artistically, this is what I want to do. So that's checkbox, right? Yeah. Got that going on. Um, but also, also Metallica is the still yeah, one hey. of the biggest selling acts in the universe and popular and well-known right and even if this fails it's going to sell more albums than one of my albums well that's what they said is it, it was like metallica's lowest charting album in years and also lou reed's highest charting album right, in right. Years. <laughs> so, so i mean from that standpoint it, it worked out i guess yeah yeah so you do you do get the uh you know you do get that that uh 
uh, that end of things, right? Yeah. I'm just I'm impressed by you know for Metallica this is the most this is the most they've ever reached artistically in their whole career by just miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 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 the part that's the part that I uh, that I admire. You know, I like I like this, and and as well, um, according to them and according to Lou, Lou Reed, um, this was all recorded live as well. That tracks, yeah. This yeah, doesn't sounds sound, like it. <laughs> doesn't sound like it was very composed in advance, even. Right, which is which is uh, you want to talk about a reach for Metallica? Yeah, this this is a band who they who I think their best albums um, were were recorded meticulously to click tracks. That were all mapped out in advance, and the guitars were all double, tripled, or or quintupled, yeah. right? In in uh, rhythmic perfection, and um, and um, you know um, lyrics were were an afterthought, weren't even added to the songs until yeah. Much no, they're, they're not a band right? known for so, improvising like the Dead, or right, right, like Fish, it, or something. No, they are not an improvising well, band. Well, when their um, when their best work was being done, and we you know you were covering Metallica earlier on. Going back to that, it should be mentioned that in the world of thrash metal, they were the standard bearers for a whole era. Yeah, like yeah. they, when when the the title of, of fastest, you know, heaviest, most complex changed hands just about weekly, they owned it for years. Um, and so, I mean, you hear the same thing about like Slayer and other bands where they they're pretty much like barely able to play the parts in the studio while they were recording the album because they were pushing themselves so hard so hard um and uh it was meticulous but they were just it was like right at the edge of what they could keep together and i think there's a there's a tangible effect that that has when you're listening to it and i i love especially like hetfield's rhythm guitar it's really like him and scott ian are like the dudes you know who who perfected that it's great to hear but i i don't anymore get the the sense that wow he's he's right at the edge of what he can do it's unbelievable and you know it's not that it sounds like he's doing it lazy or anything like that but it's like you're just watching somebody who's like a master at something or you know hearing someone who can that's that's the person who defines that style of guitar Almost, and that's a little bit less exciting than. Yeah, well, the what's pushing the edge here is that they're 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 um, they're they're these songs are not composed in that way. Yeah, yeah. and 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 you know, like there was a real contrast too in the in the interviews that I read. The Metallica guys were were saying this was all done off the cuff. It was all done off the cuff. Like everything we did was just just you know. Um, we, we were just improvising in the moment. And then to hear Lou Reed say it is like, no, these were songs, right? You know, they, they for were, them, it seemed. Right, for yeah, them, it yeah, seemed maybe off the cuff because they were, they were unused to playing that way. Like, yeah. here are changes, do something with it, yeah. right? right? Rather than having every, every you know... Um, well, yeah, to Lou, that's a song. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and, uh, yeah Lou, you know, Lou has, a, you know, in addition to the punk rock thing... Um, has a lot of while not being a jazz musician has always had kind of one foot in that that camp a little bit or 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 drawn from it with backing bands and and yeah. different approaches to music and this is a pretty jazz yeah approach well, exactly you know? the beat poet with the the bongo, the bongo player right right yeah yeah it is you're right it's very it's very i mean that i think that is a good observation in that this is this is uh 
you know, jazz, but he got a band that is not a jazz band. Yes. Right, right, who have no experience doing this, you know, on that level. Um, but on the other hand, Metallica does have, does have, um, um, you know, Rob Trujillo, who has a lot of experience with, oh, yeah. with improvised playing and the like. And so, so you know, they I think they hold their own here. Um, I started to write down the times you could hear Rob. <laughs> All three of them? Yeah. There were three or four. Three or four. Yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds about right. It's like a, yeah, it is a strange thing that, you you know, you, you he makes such a big difference in that band, but it's still like, why can't Inaudible. you hear him? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's metal for you. It starts with an L. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts with an L. Mm. Ends with a R's. Mm. <laughs> Ends with an R's. Supports Napster. What could that be? <laughs> well, shall we uh, yeah. dig into He was into right this? about that. He was, but he was still a jerk about it. <laughs> First track is uh, Brandenburg Gate. Well, opening an album with a line like I would cut my legs and tits off is sort of a, I don't know, litmus test. If you can't get past that, just clock out now because we got another 89 minutes or however. This, this took two CDs and it has 10 tracks on it. Yeah, you know, this is uh, our, our um, uh, assuming this will be the the, uh, the second of the new season. Yes, the, this recording that we're doing. Um, the previous the previous album we covered was Van Halen three, and, and one of our uh, laments was how long the songs were. Um, here, here, um, there's no sense in complaining. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're they're all really long. Yeah, and, and uh, but but at the same time at the same time Lou, Lou Reed is telling a story. <laughs> yeah, right. right you know. so well, is he? A lot of these songs he has like about two minutes worth of material, and he repeats it a couple of times. Sometimes what, what was that? Uh, <laughs> sometimes he repeats it a couple of times. Aha. Uh-huh. Sometimes he repeats Lou it a couple of times. It. Well, and you know the the thing is too is that that what I think what I think is going on uh, uh, in part yeah is is that that there's an attempt to set up an atmosphere, and and when you set up you know with these songs you're setting up an atmosphere you have to be as a listener you have to be patient yes um, because um uh, you know it takes a it takes a little while for it to appear and and uh, you know with with a with um uh, you know the desire to do everything live. And not have extensive editing. By the way, we don't know how much editing went into this. These songs could have been twice as long as this. We don't. We don't know for sure. But but my point is is that that it's gotta you gotta let it you gotta let it wash over you a bit, and that's gonna take two or three minutes, right? Yeah. And then and then the, then the song kind of gets going. Yeah. Well, at eighty nine minutes or however long, is this harder or easier to listen to than metal machine music? metal machine music is shorter and you can just sort of zone it out this every now and then like weird small town girls or disturbing images yeah, will it's, pop. it's you the moments where you're forced to reckon with the fact that the band is metallica that, yes. i mean that that's what snapped me out of it 
every yeah. once in a while. It was a uh, yeah, uh, um, a James uh, Grunt or uh, yeah, a it, Lars Phil, a Lars. Just Lars's drum. Anytime I start to pay attention to the drumming on this, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." Yeah, we can talk. About, we should probably just talk about that a little bit. Is like, like you know, Lars. Lars gets a a lot of shit for some very legitimate reasons. Um, but um, uh, but uh, you know, his drumming, his drumming, like like you know, back in the day, uh, he's on, a great uh, tennis player. Well, there you go. It's like on the thrash stuff, it's it, golf it works. Handicap. Right, because the uh, the rhythm guitar is really the pulse. Right, and you know, yeah. and so the drumming, the drumming is just—it's more for power and bigness, right? You know, and just sort of you know smashing you around a bit, and uh, um, especially on the faster stuff, right? It's it's more of an endurance test than than trying to you know um, propel the band right? yeah. necessarily. Um, but you know, and and uh, you know, he certainly had his moments of you know technical prowess on on you know some of the stuff, but but I think his lack of ability um, to groove really shows on this this uh this song yeah i mean this not just this song this whole album um there are times where i think think the uh the uh the tempos uh, i i think he just he falls out of whatever groove is there yeah i, and, I don't and, know and, if he ever learned how to play at these tempos at these tempos yeah this this is what it could be it's like that's another thing is like what is a very unusual for metallica is they they don't play this slowly no unless they're doing some cheesy ballad like they're covering bob seger right or bob seger turn the page oh, oh that was <laughs> oh, oh and uh, so would you rather listen to lou reed or turn the page yeah yeah um uh Yes, let's do covers of Metallica really bad seventy songs. Um, but anyway, they um, just didn't survive Bob Rock. <laughs> no, they didn't. He he. Um, it's like Samson when they cut off their hair. This, this is zombie Metallica. I think he's. I think. Uh, I think they're kind of coming out of it. But you know, they're they're uh, at the um, twilight of their careers now. Yeah. So, so um, um, but you know, anyway, I'm 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 so far. Um, this this album, it's like okay, we've set the stage. It's, well, yeah, it's, within the first minute, you get everything you need. You get Lou Reed singing about cutting his tits off, and you get Hetfield going "Small Town Girl," <laughs> and that you know that's pretty much it. That's what you're gonna have to endure for the next you know hour and a half. Right, right, yeah, and and it is it is like you said the the metal machine music. I'd like to talk about that just for a, a minute. Is yeah. that the this did harken back to, to metal machine music for me. Um, in part, I think it could just me because that album traumatized me. Um, yeah. it, it really did disturb me and got under my skin in a in a in a terrible way. And I think part of it is is the complete lack of of. I mean, if you endure that album, the complete lack of control you have as a listener. You cannot put your finger on anything. There's yeah. nothing to attach yourself to. There's no gravity. There's no top. Right. And, and no I think, bottom, and I think uh, like Logan was saying, is like you know, like when the Metallica comes in, it drags you out of it. But it's in a disturbing way. It's like like these things do not belong here. Yeah. And and I th- and uh, but but I think that's that's from my perspective. That's from the listener's yeah. perspective. Could that have been Lou Reed's intent? If it was, then he was very successful. If it wasn't. He was very unsuccessful. <laughs> he can't really defend himself now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, metal machine music doesn't really have any um, moment, especially for pop music listeners, yeah. where we're, uh, you know, you you would be used to a pretty regular cycle of tension and release that's very, very predictable. 
and and happens quite often um metal machine music is just an hour of of tension yeah and it, it reminds me of uh, you know like reading somewhere that the 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 cia or whoever you know to torture people will often play some loud droney sound and then stop it intermittently to yeah. to startle the person rather than suddenly blast them with loud sounds as that's less effective and uh I can't help but think of uh, metal machine music because it's just like it's yeah. when the side ends it's horror it's deafening yeah you know and yeah. and it's because you've been in this state of of you know musical hypervigilance for a whole yeah. fucking side of a record and that that's yeah that's like this is, I'm getting PTSD we're just from yeah, talking about yeah we're just things. not used to we're not used to waiting that long and we're extra, extra not used to it. Just never coming, never, never happening. You know, know. metal machine music is like a hot tub. It really too hot of a hot tub. It is painful for the first few minutes, but once you get used to it, you forget you're there. Yeah. This is more like a tide pool where you're, it's okay, but it's constantly jostling you back and forth. Yeah. And, and well, and, and this is what I, what I, you know, asking about intent, right? We don't, you know, we, like you said, we can't ask Lou now. There's no way to do it, but, but it's a, uh, and he'd just fuck with us and give us a silly answer. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe probably right. Exactly. But, but it, it's, it's like a, look, you're talking about some dark, dark shit. And, and I think that, that maybe that was, you know, maybe this was an artistic choice. Now, 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 whether you succeed in that is something completely different. But art, art isn't, about, isn't about success. Art is about doing it. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, and when it comes to music, you, you should be doing art. I mean, I think if you're an artist, you should do the art and you leave someone else to be the critic. Yeah. Right? And I think and I think that's what I think that's what Lou kind of excels at. I, I don't think that he he is afraid that people are going to dislike it. I think he's unhappy when people dislike it, but I don't think he's ever been afraid to. No, no, clearly not. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, when you brought up metal machine music, I thought, I mean, the parallel that struck me was, is this a troll? Like, is the, is he, is he messing with us? Right. right. And, and I know that I don't think either are, are completely that, but, I can't rule out the fact that he's just kind of screwing with us a little bit. Well, I think art does mess with you. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's, you know, there's plays yeah. were meant Disturb to mess with people. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. You know? And like, like you said too, Logan, it's like when you talk about pop music, uh, this, you know, the, the state of pop music today, as I hear it is, is that it is what you talked about, the predictability, the, the tension and release and the predictability of it. It is so predictable now that there's oh, almost there's, no there's, tension. There's four signs coming up that tell you the happy part's going to be. Uh, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> so like you ever go on a road trip on the East Coast and there's like the south of the border uh, billboards everywhere? That's, yeah, that's right, what right, like yeah, listening yeah. to a pop You're song is like. 1,882 hey, miles from Remember that world. chorus? <laughs> it's coming up and couple more, you know, and two minutes later, it's like, right, oh, right. only... This yeah. does not give you that. No. No. Well, shall we move on to the uh, next song, which is about the um, Whoopi Goldberg and Joey Behar talk show, The View. Like a fortune, all thrown away, but worship someone who actively despises you. For worship someone who actively despises you. Stop! 
So the fast part is like 145 beats per minute. It's not. It's not fast. Not no, for Metallica. Not, not for most people. No, no, not for not for Metallica. Well, you know, 140 bread maybe. You're getting up into you know for pop music. That's pretty. pretty yeah, good. over 120 is the is fast, right? But, um, yeah. but um, yeah, 120 is like the perfect dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what disco is. Right. Well, it, it was a brave choice to put this out as the first single when it has the most easily ridiculable lyrics possible with James Hetfield repeatedly telling people that he is the table. What do you think that means? He is furniture that you put your feet on. He yeah. is the root. He is the aggressor. Yeah, that he has no that. idea. <laughs> Lou told him to say it. He doesn't know what it means. Yeah, I think, exactly. Lou told him to say it. And and I, th- I, I think what, he, what they're talking about. I don't know. What voice is this? Is this Lou's voice or is this the voice of like somebody, you know, the, the, the John or the right. It could be the John who's you know into Satan masochism. Or I think I think it could be someone you know that she's like uh, uh, yeah like a sadomasochistic relationship. Yeah. Like she's whipping this guy or something yeah. is possible. But I also thought you know like when I first listened to this, I thought that all songs were were in Lulu's voice. Yeah, I don't know about this one. And I think you know when you think of somebody being you know part of the furniture. Yeah, you know to quote the Oliver. Uh, is this Metallica's Tommy? <laughs> yes. Well, well, yes, yes. I think it. Yes. I think it's music wow. from the Elber, <laughs> but I think I think it, it means that you're just you're just there. Yeah, you're not you're not a, a real person. person yeah. right? You're just you're just someone that gets used. Yes, right. Like um, and so so it's like uh, you know, um, yeah, it is. You know, on one level, on one level, it is. You could easily ridicule these lyrics. On the other hand, I think it fits in with whatever story Lou's trying to tell. Yeah. Well, and I, I think James clearly doesn't know what he's saying, because at one point, I'm pretty sure he says, I am the tablet, as opposed to I am the table, which <laughs> just was him misreading the lyrics <laughs> off the lyric sheet. He's I looking think, around the room. He's like, I am the lamp. I am the... <laughs> I love lamp. Yeah, one of the one of the Metallica guys, uh, I can't remember which one now, but not James. They were talking about James. Yeah. And they said this, uh, it might have been Kirk, but he said, yeah, at first, James was like, like really freaked out about this whole thing like no fucking way am i doing any of this and then uh but once he um once he surrendered apparently he got into the relapsed i mean surrendered relapsed right (laughs) once he surrendered he got into um you know he got into this idea like oh okay i don't have to be in charge i can just let them (laughs) yeah you you want me to be the table i'll be the table whatever so and i think that was a big that was a big uh part of it for metallica was this this kind of um just letting go they are notably control freaks. All four, five, yeah, yeah. six of them at this point. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. All control freaks, and and uh, but but here they are. You know, here they are, sort of letting you know, letting someone else call the shots. Letting someone else call the shots. Letting him, you know, and and, and part of what he does, part of what Lee Reed does, is is okay. Here's here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Play what you want to play. Yeah, and they and they, they don't know. What, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they want exactly. <laughs> But uh, but you know they do what they do I guess. Yes. Well, shall we hurry along to a? Yes. We're speaking of Slayer. This isn't raining blood. This is pumping blood. It's like pumping iron for vampires. Pumping blood. Pumping blood. Pumping blood. Pumping blood. Pumping blood. Pumping blood. 
say, come on, James. And he's trying to encourage James to sing along. You know, that part where I waggle my ass like a dog prostitute. Everybody now. Violins at the beginning? Yes. Um, scratchy, like played by elementary school kids no <laughs> learning the suzuki method but but they have they have a whole string section of pros yeah no yeah. just for, doing for, it badly yeah. deliberately or i think so I why think i don't know um again i think it's a matter of artistic expression and it, and if we don't get it we don't get it but but well, i think it's a, i think it's a choice yeah. right? i don't think it's uh I, I don't think it's been done um you know like the person was hung over that day and yeah, could no. play the violin um, well, Lou is credited as playing some kind of uh, ribbon controller. I think I think he brought in a guy with him to play that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, the dude that he works with in one of his bands that that has that that weird ass ribbon controller. Yeah. So the first time I listened to this, I was I was noticing you know both the the scratchy violins at the beginning of this one and throughout, but on a lot of these songs, there's a lot of background kind of uh, ambient droney yeah. things that sometimes sound like they could be synthesizer or 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 bowed or, or you know or something or yeah something. yeah but um uh but yeah i i've kind of come to expect that if it's a i can't immediately identify it as a bowed acoustic instrument or a weird electric guitar thing that that's probably what's going on yeah there's not um, a lot of yeah outside musicians on this I did notice that at some point Lou said, come on, James, as if he was like encouraging James to sing along to the uh, line about, you know, waggling your ass like a dog prostitute. Come on, James. Come on, James. (laughs) You know this part. Everybody now. (laughs) It's like, yeah. And that, that, um, um, well, see, I I think, I I think this song, um, I think most of the songs actually, they do, they do move somewhere. Yeah. It's not. They're not. It's not static. There, there's. Um, it, it, this reminds me a bit, but it's clearly not. But nonetheless, it reminds me of of uh, minimalist music. You know, where where you start the song, by the end of it, it's a completely different song. But but the changes are so incremental. In, incremental, right? You don't really notice what's happening. It's not really that. There are some dramatic changes that happen. You oh know, yeah, in these very Lars songs. Is... <laughs> right, right. But the beginning, the beginning is not like the end. No. Right, so so they're they're definitely, and this is what I meant before is that and I think that that it's it's they're they're setting up an environment, and and it does in it takes a while to get there, and and I think this is this is um, uh, what happens often, in, in improvised sessions where where you're composing on the spot. Right, that that you know, it, it takes a while to figure out where you're going. Um, when you um, when you you know typically. Like if you go see um, uh, an act that does a lot of improvisation, you know whether it's a jazz act or a rock act, you go see them, and and it's that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to be patient, right, for things the to good develop. Stuff will take right? a while. But but very typically though, when you go to recording, you've sort of figured out an arrangement and you stick to that arrangement, right? And here I think the arrangements are are pretty much just dictated by Lou Reed's vocals. Vocals, yeah. Yeah, um, the the listeners probably you know can't hear this, but as we're discussing this, we're listening to the tracks, but they're so freaking long. We're kind of fast forwarding through, and um, especially on that last one, I if you play the intro to the song and you skip ahead to the middle of the song, if, if, if it's different, 
it's not where you expect it to go. If you fast forward to the end of the song from there, it's different. And it is not where you where if you did the same thing with a regular song, you'd be like, oh, this is the bridge. It's going to take us right back to this thing or, hey, they modulate it up just to change it up because they've only got that one riff or whatever. This these songs just, you know, some of them have a big, heavy handed intro riff, but that riff is not giving away where the song will go, which is antithetical to most music that we listen to where. You know, even a short intro to a song, it kind of functions as a an, an overture or something. It's like the secrets of the song have all been revealed in the first before the yes. first line is spoken. Spoiler alert! You know, yeah, spoiler alert. You know what's coming. Um, and with these, it's a it's like a, a misdirect almost. And most they, songs go from A to B, back to A eventually. This one just goes from A to B to C and then ends at D. Yeah, they <laughs> they sort of begin with a big heavy intro or something dramatic, and then just kind of mutate for the next. Well, and they minutes. get longer as if you buy this album on vinyl, and I wouldn't recommend it. Of the ten songs, four are on side one, three are on side two. Two are on side three, and one is on side four. <laughs> yeah, they, they might like have that. had to. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Did they rearrange it? They might have had to. No. The track listing might have had to change a little bit. I don't know if. Uh, but do you think? The, do you think? Um, where are we in the story? Because in this, this it's a. Uh, um, you know, towards the end of this song, he starts mentioning Jack. Yeah, and, and you know, it's about pumping blood, and and we know from the plays that that the second play. Um, our heroine uh, ends up getting, um, or our anti-heroine, I'm not sure which. <laughs> protagonist. Um, our protagonist, she gets, um, you know, killed by Jack the Ripper. Um, is this, are we, is are this we Jack? at the ending already? Are we at the this ending is already, right? Or, or is this, we're, right, uh, we're a ways away. It, maybe they're not in chronological, much like the Elder, music from the Elder. Yeah, but that <laughs> that was done by some, you know, producer, like, screwing yeah. things up, right? Right. But uh, what is, um... What is Lou's intent? Yeah, yeah. What is going on here? Yeah. Um, or maybe this is just another scene with care. another Jack. With the, yeah, uh, right. Or maybe he's just inspired by the plays, but he's, this is not a musical where it takes place in the play. It's just these are scenes from the play that I wanted to write songs about. Well, well, well you know, Jack is another name for John. That is true. So. Mm-hmm. I. On a, a long, naughty one, Dr. Jack. <laughs> on, on, a, on a long list of. Uh, Incredibly uh, accurate Spinal Tap parallels. Uh, this might take the cake. <laughs> yes, they've done it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, everything comes back to Spinal Tap. Shall we move on to a another song? This is a Mistress Dread. I am Mistress Dread. Of dis- uh, not disposable heroes, shades of damage incorporated mm-hmm. or uh, dire's eve. Um, I, you know, this is a the thing slow, that but, you know, 
I was kind of surprised that Metallica didn't do more of is just tell Lou that they were improvising and then just pull out some old song they hadn't finished and because this is what it sounds like it's an old Metallica song that they knew and had changes and parts to it you know that's and, what uh yeah that's what uh, uh Frank Zappa when he he uh, proposed a Broadway musical and he had it all ready to go with costumes and all of that stuff and uh but it, you know, he never could get the funding for it. But it was called Thingfish. Yeah. And then so he released, a, you know, he released it as a as a album. Yeah. Right. So you couldn't go see the play, but you could at least listen to the album. And a lot of it was backing tracks of his other songs with new mm-hmm. lyrics added on top of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, I, you know, yeah, that's kind of lazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but you know, this is this is. Uh, you well, know, it's the I mean, only I think one they, on the album that sounds like this. Right. Well, I think they. This is what I'm. I was kind of getting at is that you know, uh, improvising is hard. It's hard to yeah. invent something new on the spot. Yes. And and um, you know, you're you're only going to um, sooner or later you're going to fall back and I know how to do this. Yes, I, gonna, I know these five notes. Right. And I'm. Gonna, they are called the pentatonic scale. Uh, yes. <laughs> Watch me play. Or in their case, you know, in their case, you know, sort of double time. Yeah. The. Um, uh, you know. Yeah. The. Double time drum riff with with really fast chugging chugging rhythm right you know I yeah this uh, the the really riffy Metallica sounding stuff I'm here got me excited for a second only to pull the rug out you know well, and, and not go anywhere because the the cool part about the the new interesting sinister sounding metal riff is that it's gonna change into a different. Something. Sinister sounding metal riff. Yeah, in yeah. any sight, you know, the, as soon as you can latch on to the the one that's going on, it's it's going to no. change. And we sampled several points of this what and, and, seven minute song, and they all were the same. Yeah, and so unlike what we were talking about with the last song, where where there's this this continuous change that you might not notice, right? Yes. It, you know, unless disparity you, from beginning to end. From yeah. beginning to end, here here it doesn't. There's not a lot of movement. No, it, it's pretty much it's it's. Uh, they could have looped it. There's a few exactly. There's a few little you know. Breaks, breaks or flourishes here and there, but it's it's pretty much beginning to hit and uh, the same song and and you know so if if uh, you know uh, right if you if you write a song that's just a verse and lasts for six minutes and fifty seconds six yeah yeah those lyrics better be damn good. Well, what were the lyrics to this one? Yeah, what were they? To this Mistress one? Dread. I don't know. Lou Reed talking about. German prostitutes again. Yeah, I, 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 I stopped paying attention a while ago. I know ago. this is complaining about Lou Reed being Lou Reed, but Metallica is able to move around a bit in this, even in these big, long songs that are mostly just a verse, you know, and, and don't really have sections, but rather just kind of, you know, bubble. Um, and uh, But Lou's vocal delivery doesn't... his. Yeah, I don't even think his headphones were on during yeah, this song. Yeah, I don't he was know if he's t- like how he's tied to what's going on musically, because um, a lot of times it doesn't seem like it would be really cool if like a couple of times on the album Lou sang faster, slower, lower, mm, higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does kind of change his delivery a little bit as the characters change. If no, you know, and he gets more excited, sleazier. Yes. Um, in places, um, but his really just flat. I mean, 
he's fully in the you know uh, uh, Shatner album territory with this, and it's without the charm, um, you know. And again, I'm I'm complaining about the thing that he's he mo- most the thing right. that he does. So. Well, well, there's there's you know look look uh, I don't think. Uh, well, clearly, you know, Lou Reed's not for everybody, um, yeah. and and I would even say I'm not a, a, a gigantic fan. I do I do like the weirder stuff, um, yeah. with the exception of metal machine music. Um, that uh, that he did he and John Cale, yeah, from you know of, of Velvet Underground fame. They got they got um, commissioned uh, to to write uh, you know to put out an album um, after Andy Warhol died. This was by you know the. Um, a national endowment for the arts or something like this right you know so they got government money right to, to do this tribute to andy andy warhol damn communists and uh, uh yeah and um um uh and and it was uh I, I i liked it a lot i listened to it a lot songs for drella songs yeah. for drella i thought i thought it was great it though reminded me and it's mainly you know lou reed playing guitar right that's the you know and then yeah. john kale doing whatever he does with cellos and all that other stuff um that that um and, and singing it's similar to this in the sense that there's not a lot of song structure in the traditional sense of, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, right? So yeah. this is not Van Halen 3 um, or, or Van Halen 1 for that matter. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, um, but it's compelling because he has something to say. Yeah. And even when he repeats it, it's usually, you know, the repetition is there kind of for a purpose, right? You know, it's that that you're trying to, you're definitely trying to hit the nail. Yeah. Drive Reiterate. Home, right. Reiterate. Right. Exactly. And, and uh, um, uh, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, um, uh, you know, just to reinforce what Logan was saying, this is what he does. Right. And, and, and uh, uh, from what I gather, for most of the recording, the, they all sat around in a circle and, and played. Um, I cannot believe that they didn't go back and overdub some of the vocal parts, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I did hear that that uh, when they decided to play these live, and they did for uh, German television, I believe. Yeah, I was watching that yeah, the yeah. other day. and I, I Real quick, I want to mention that, uh, man, Lou's playing a really cool Carl Thompson Guitar. Oh, guitar! Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah. That like, uh, and and uh, yeah, and, and it was it was a uh, um, uh, well, you know, yeah. Our listeners should check it out if they're interested in seeing how this comes off live. But but um, I guess uh, Headfield was saying that yeah, we tried to rehearse it, and we couldn't figure out, we couldn't remember or figure out what we were doing at all. Yeah. And and they realized that that um, that without without them knowing it necessarily, um, Lou was directing them he was conducting them with his voice and without his presence there they didn't know what to do and that, that's kind of um that's kind of impressive yeah. I, I mean i think that you know that you could have that kind of command um uh, i mean he, he's had a career of practice um of, that's, yeah that's kind of the lou i mean since his first solo album where he put together just a a, a really versatile band of of amazing players and kind of did his Lou Reed thing while they were backing him up and I, I think over the years he kind of learned how to bend conduct the, I you know I as um probably as much the selection of the personnel as how he's you know performing but that's a that is a signature Lou thing where he can kind of bend you know, a, a variety of musicians to his will. Um, and that's what you get. You get Lou 
mumbling like a cranky old geezer and <laughs> like jazz fusion shredders and, and punk rockers, you know, playing instruments next to him. And sometimes it's really great. And sometimes it sucks, but sometimes yeah, it's yeah. hard to listen to, but it's at no point will I accuse anyone on this of like not really swinging for the fences it's yeah, really this is an ambitious album yeah and no matter how much of a failure it is and there are some people who loathe this album with a a passion that burns like a thousand suns those but people have not listened i i, I guarantee say, they haven't checked in with any of lou's later career because say, but this is yeah unlike you know elton john's disco album where he didn't even realize he was making it i think yeah. <laughs> everyone here is trying their damnedest whether or not yes. they should and and i think that uh yeah i mean absolutely uh i, I think that that um that's uh well, you know, I keep coming back to that word art and, yeah. you know, who knows what oh. that actually means exactly. But I think that always is a sign. That's a sign that you're actually doing art is that somebody's getting really pissed off about it and, and not, not, not in a, um, and often for very irrational reasons. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm really pissed off because he talked about cutting off tits. No. Right. You know, it's, it's like rites it's, of spring, you know, it's like, yeah, it just yeah, doesn't sound right. right exactly. Something right, right, right. annoying. Like, exactly. You think about that. It's like, how could you be upset at rites of spring? People really were, yeah. right. They were extremely angry about this, it. And this and, tempered music is tempered scale. Music is going to be the end of us. Right. Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Devil's I think it's music. It tells you. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, um, you know, uh, but like like all art, right? Yeah. You know, you don't. Art art doesn't depend on you liking it. No. Yeah, that's you know. Um, but well, shall we move on to? I think this was the uh, second single. This is one of the few short songs on here. Iced honey, which sounds messy. That flames in out, but the proud piece of ice that always floats ice honey. If I can't trap a butterfly or a bee, if I can't keep my heart where I want it to be, if no matter how much soul and heart Does James Hetfield do a lot of like guest vocals on other people's albums? I mean, people just want him singing backup because his is melodious, mellifluous voice is just. Yeah, I think he's first call in Vail, Colorado. Oh yeah, yeah. All those caribou records, you know. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, uh, that's that's. Uh, this is another more static song. Yeah, this one sounds like it was written far more than improvised. This sounds yeah. like, and it was written by Lou, not Metallica. He's like, here are all four chords. You will play it. At, he even counts it in, unlike all the other songs. So, yeah. I mean, this is clearly Lou's baby, I think, on the album. Iced honey. Yeah, which I, I don't, I've never tried to freeze honey or put ice in honey, or it seems like a bad idea, but. I was thinking honey is a term of endearment. Ah, so, and icing, like, you know, Killing someone? Well, I was thinking. No, I was thinking more like an ice queen. But there you go. Iced honey. Right, you know. Maybe. But like iced earth. In other words, like but, someone, someone know, whose emotions have honey. been frozen, that are completely alienated from themselves, so that they can do their job. So, what is tea? Is the ice that will melt for you? Mm. Is he putting honey in his tea? 
Yeah. Is he Mr. T? Does he pity the fool? <laughs> that will melt for you. Iced tea. You know yeah. what the tea is for, right? It's uh, Tracy. Tracy. Well, there you go. Ice, ice, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, well, we can come back to this one. Let's go <laughs> Moving <next> on. <laughs> now we put on disc two. Yes, it came in two CDs. And the real question is, why do I cheat on me? cheat on me because I've got nobody else yeah. well this is one of the songs when it first started it had that weird not violins but whatever going on in the background like, okay that's just the intro and so I sort of tuned out then I looked at the clock and six minutes had gone by and I'm going oh that's not the intro this is what the song is this is the song yeah <laughs> it is nuts that this is a Metallica song like that with that, in, that big long synth swirly ambient intro thing that's not actually the intro it's the half of the song yeah um no, yeah. They, they do stuff like that on their albums, but it's like 30 seconds. Yeah. I just They never take that much time, to, nor, nor should they on, on canonical uh, Metallica. But, uh, <laughs> you know, th- this is one. Like, but yeah. That, for me, this is one of the more, sonically, I mean, uh, I, I like what's happening. The, uh, the, the particular noises they've put together. Um, maybe not the backing vocals as much. But, Why do I but, you know, cheat the, the on me? Yeah, they really stick out. The yeah. instrumental parts I, I liked quite a bit. Like, uh, you know, is it a song? Um, I noticed James didn't like singing Cheat on Me and would sing Why Do I Cheat on Myself? Because that was more grammatically correct yeah, whenever yeah. he could get away with it. But then <laughs> I, I see Lou like shooting him a dirty look and he would go back to the right words now you know there was a claim now now it's hard to again it's hard to know because there's so much bullshit that comes out um in rock music in general yeah right in interviews and the like but apparently uh um uh lars fessed up that uh lou tried uh, uh, challenged him to a street fight in the making of this which which goes very contrary to their stories in their press conferences where they all, all got uh, along. Well, maybe that's how marvelously. Lou and Lars get along with people is street fights. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, it would track for both of them, honestly. You know, nice, friendly, family street fight. They, uh, they you know, met halfway and just played a couple games of tennis. There you go. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if... Lou Reed wanted someone to play violin on this song. Why didn't he get Lori Anderson in? They were married. Yeah. So they, uh, it's, uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, it's like I said, they got, they got some, yeah, the, uh, quality people on this uh, one. It's Jenny Scheinman w- was, is one of the, the string players, but credited as the string arrangements. So these are not just one p- played, they are con- arranged. arranged, um, by a real badass. Um, so we can we can only assume that the stuff that's on there that sounds scratchy or out of tune is completely intentional, deliberate. Yeah, and which you, which fits with right uh, everything. If this if this indeed too was like 
I, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of impressed by what's going on because it's if this is if this is live with with a band like like uh, Metallica, who who I think frankly has trouble playing their own songs live. Um, <laughs> that that uh, this is you know getting them to fit in with that environment of say people who really know what they're doing. Um, that's I think it's. Um, Oh, kind Metallica. of remarkable so that, we, that he was able to do this. We do yeah. have to mention the the completely self indulgent jerk off that is S and M. Oh yeah. I'm oh yeah. Surprised we is. haven't gotten to that yet. But <laughs> oh, it's like you know that's I was that's another <laughs> thing. Just the long list of Metallica disappointments. It's yeah. like if you got an orchestra, why not do something original with it? Yeah. Right? And Michael you know, came like, in. What, just stick to writing. Why do you cheat on me? Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> that is you know. Uh, but but uh, hey, you know if you can, it's got to be you fun. Can afford it? Yeah. Yeah. If you can yeah. I mean, I'd do it. That's got to be. That's a tax write-off if there ever was one. Although I think it did quite well, actually. It did, yeah, it did. I no, think I, it made a buttload and, of money. And I might be bitter because it was involved omnipresent for a while like longer than yeah yeah well i think they had that one which which was actually was kind of designed with the orchestra in mind what was it four leaf clover so so that at least they had something to add but mostly it's just people sawing away on whole notes behind uh, yeah it's it's the metallica Um, equivalent of an unplugged album hey we can sell these songs again if we just dress them up a little different it's like um but yeah that's I, i never like uh, I know this is a tangent, but you just have to throw it. You know, lots of rock bands have played in front of orchestras, and, yeah. and lots of them have done that sort of thing. We'll yeah. just have the you know the uh, the orchestra be our backing band, but yeah. occasionally, occasionally, um, uh, rock bands try to do something more with it, uh, like uh, Pink Floyd with Adam Hart Mother, for example. Yeah. Um, well, you know. The end result wasn't necessarily great, but but you they know tried. Least, right, right. It's like, but you got all of this. You got all of these super talented players yeah. that will play anything you tell them to. It's like, um, why not take advantage of that? Yeah. Well, because I guess no. I think one of the problems with <laughs> it costs money. Yeah. Like S and M Metallica thing is, even though there is a, a classical music connection to a lot of thrash and a lot of oh yeah absolutely metal, especially more. I don't want to say well, progressive metal gets into weird twelve tone shit and <laughs> jazz fusion, but but just you know thrashy metal in general is very 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 you know it's classical music with electric guitars, right? Yeah. But a lot of the songs and riffs and arrangements are put together such that a small ensemble can play it, and right. so the ideas don't usually translate to big flowery arrangements with a full string section and lots and lots of voices. No, exactly. Like when the, because they're ba- just yeah. think of like a chamber orchestra. Your your average you know heavy metal thing is is uh um you know a drop D or some you know to give you a give you nonstop parallel fifths so you have you know power chords under one finger and you're probably playing you know some minor you know or harmonic minor kind of thing. And that's great, but if you have it, it's so one electric guitar can take up a whole lot of sonic space. You would not do that a voice arrangement in a string section. You would do something more, uh, you know, actually harmonized in, yeah, yeah. in a key or a mode because that allows you to stack um, a lot of instruments and a lot of voices on top of each other and have some degree of polyphony and things like that. 
whereas the metal stuff is just like here's the riff it's really fast with two guitars and, and a bass player we can make it sound like an orchestra mm -hmm. so when you've arranged it so a guitarist and a bass player and a drummer sound like a, a whole string section then what the hell do you do with the string section? Yeah, what do you do exactly? What do you do with the string section? Yeah, well, and that's you know, in, in your point as well, taking you know that that um, uh, chamber chamber musicians, you know, like what is the Kronos Quartet or yeah, quartet, yeah, whatever they are, you know, they've done Metallica music and arranged it, you know, for four strings. It sounds great. It really does lend itself to that well, because I it mean, already is kind of classical that is, music. That's right? what the um, um, and apocalyptica. But, but you, but yeah. you don't put a rock band on top of that, right? I, just, I mean, I think they're the the chamber music, you know, especially like Baroque. Chamber music has a lot of parallels because those are smaller ensembles. It's, you know, a couple of cellos, a couple of horns, you know, from flute to bassoon or something like that, you know, low, low, middle, high. And uh, yeah, that translates to a couple of, couple of goofballs with electric guitars pretty well. But to expand that up to a lot of, you know, an entire string section and, and percussion ensemble and everything, you know, just... To really expand that up to orchestra size, it's it's not really meant to do that. It's not that you know. It's not the music that's for that. So you have to get yeah, creative. No. no, I think that that explains why it just doesn't work. And, and I, I feel yeah, like most of the rock bands that do an or with an orchestra thing are just moody blues. They're just kind of plowing through. Yeah, people this, are just holding these these yeah. guys behind us. This hundred people behind us, just you throwing know. syrup on it. Yes. Yeah. Sticks, sticks, sticks and stones may break. They did, my they did a recent orchestral thing. Yeah, no, there's a, a lot of them out there. It's uh, frustrating. We should listen to frustration. My prickless lover. You're feeling less horror, but you stimulate the hatred smolders in your eyes. I drop to my knees in a second to salivate in your thighs. But all I do is fall over. Straight I once had in you and your prickless lover and his easel in his eyes. I feel a pain creep up my leg, blood runs from my nose. I puke my guts out at your <sighs> Sorry. I'm feeling dry and, and yeah. spermless like a girl. Impotence comes for us all, right? Right, Lou? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's a that, that was definitely Lars attempting to do the bongos there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I you know, I like it. I did too. I that was was one of the better things he did on this whole album. <laughs> when this when this veers into near free jazz territory, <laughs> I kind of I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes on too long and doesn't develop into anything clever, but it has its moments of like. I feel a pain run up my leg. I feel a pain run up my leg. <laughs> <laughs> dry and spermless like a girl like you know girl. when I I think of girls I think of how they just don't have any sperm yeah that's it's <laughs> it is yeah it's it's like I can you know you can see you can see why people sort of you know had a I, I can't visceral reaction. Visceral reaction, right? Exactly. I, I, I'm still a little confused by the passionate hatred, but at the same time, uh, I think you're right. That comes more from the Metallica fans, I suppose. Yeah, right? I, I think Lou Reed fans would probably give up on him years ago. Well, what's he doing now? Well, not yeah. just Lou Reed fans. I mean, it's not as quite as weird as the last thing. But yeah. <laughs> Lori Anderson, his wife, even said, "I don't get this album at all. I don't like it." But David Bowie told her that it was his favorite Lou Reed album. I think, I think there's something yeah. to be said for the fact that 
like the hardcore Metallica fans are uncomfortable, like squirming in their seats about the lyrical content of this one. Another hallmark of, of thrash and various types of metal is, you know, uh, macabre and violent and gruesome. And, and it's like, you just have to, uh, 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 frankly, uh, discuss, uh, 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 Sex work and and that that that's the, 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 you've crossed a line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It's like a frank discussion of sex work and and uh, that's and the term spermless. Whoa, 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 whoa. can't you sing about the the uh, Nazi doctors again? Right, right. Like, that was. <laughs> Let, let's yeah, go no, back I, to writing the lightning. It, it is, <laughs> I, I think it's maybe yeah, like maybe it's uh, 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 holding a mirror up a little bit too much for some some metal fans who, you know. Why can't yeah, you? I think it's <laughs> they, they they have kind of a, a you know there's as we all do I guess but they you know they have kind of a code and and uh, this this is outside of that oh yeah there's, uh, they know, have go back to saying about death limits. by mustard gas yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and maybe it hits a little too close to home I don't know it's, yeah you know. so many metal fans these days are are spermless and dry yeah like girls <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, it's, it's all that. It's it's the fluorescent lights in the basement and the computers, you know, staring back at them. I yeah. Mean, it's an yeah, ugly one, stereotype, man. It, it causes that sperm. Purity of essence. <laughs> <laughs> the fluoridation in hey, the water. D- d- this album has uh, uh, some strange love vibes. It, it does. Uh, it's it, definitely, yeah. It, especially in the, the, the male frustration kind of. I could see this being things, you know, components of it. You know. Identifying far too much with this and getting mad about it. Yeah, fear of fear of um, female sexuality, right? And in fear of impotence, right? yeah. you know, or just feeling impotent, maybe yeah. not fear of it. Um, fear of feeling, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. That. Uh, well, and that's what that's what I, I uh, that's what I also like about. Uh, well, you know, like is the weird word. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that I like this. Admire. <laughs> what, what I, what I, what I admire about this is it does make me feel things. Yes, I admire it far more than I enjoy it. Right, like, like that. Um, uh, like, I, I think you know, compared to some of the the albums that we've listened to that I did not like, um, what I, what they made me feel was boredom. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and even even the repetitive nature of this, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm bored. Yeah. Well, this is, well, this is not is a ride that I want to go on repeatedly. Yeah. Right. Not for eighty nine minutes. But right. it, 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 uh, uh, yeah, it does make you feel stuff. Weird right. in my gut. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me feel dry. Uh, speaking of weird. Pathetic little dog. Pathetic little dog Following his nose But it needs my money to buy So Lars took that track off. <laughs> now there's a few cymbal flourishes in there, but yeah, that was a bass drum every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Was that their ballad? Yeah, that was their uh, Inter Sandman or what is the, it? One. The, the slowest of burns. Read, read out Nothing it. else matters. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Little dog. Uh, strings is what. Was, uh, I don't know if it was Lou or Kirk playing. 
the the weird no wavy guitar so electric guitar on there but i i think this is my favorite guitar album by by mr hammett oh yeah because like, yeah he really is i'm like yeah I, he has room to stretch I won't, I won't debate the fact that he is a, a shredder and can go plenty fast but of the crop of uh, uh thrash metal soloists he i you know he was never at the top for me either you know in his in a his tone or anything that I particularly like. Just, I'm not trying to talk shit, but it's just, it's funny that... No, I, his tone, big, I never liked his tone. One of the interesting tone, things about Metallica is that they are a some-of-their-parts mm -hmm. kind of band, and how they were the, the leaders of a genre of music for um, such a long time, while having... You know, not the worst guys in the genre on their respective instruments, but certainly not the like. Other than maybe Cliff, who kind of died before he evolved into what he likely would have become. Uh, none of these guys are, you know, the baddest guitar player, or the most impressive singer or drummer, or um, a lot of other metal bands are known completely for their drummer or a, a guitar soloist or, or a singer or something like that. And Metallica, they're all, they're all fine. They're all kind of yeah, they, average they're kind of and which is cool because they were able to kick so much ass just by writing good songs and playing it well as an ensemble. And so, you know, back to, back to Kirk, like he was, he's just fine. Um, he's playing stuff in early Metallica that seems kind of, run-of-the-mill and stock for the genre um you know maybe not when it was brand new but it's really cool to hear him do some some radio some heady stuff yeah <laughs> some weird guitar shit yeah 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 um some weird arty guitar shit because um i always not that i again i'm not talking shit on on him as a as a lead guitarist but i, I one of the things that always irked me about him is it, it felt like he was pulling punches a little bit like I, I think this guy's got more than he's he's showing. Um, when I listen to a lot of, I mean, even some of my favorite Metallica, it's like, yeah, it's fine, it's just good enough. It's like he could, he's, I'm sure he's got more in there, and it's yeah. weird that this is the one where, like, holy shit, he's doing all this cool, really contemporary sounding, um, uh, ambient uh, guitar stuff, and he's doing it really effectively. And he's yeah, and that that uh, I agree. You know, they are they are an, an ensemble, and the ensemble is is better than them as individuals. You know, this might be a terrifying comparison to a lot of people, but they remind me of the Beatles in that way, oh, yeah. right? That they were just that they they were they were they were um they were. I was going to make a Ringo yeah, Lars yeah, comparison were, earlier, other than Ringo can groove his ass right, off at these tempos. Off, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but they were, you know, they were, they were, um, they played all that stuff. They did it, right? You know, and, and they, they, um, you know, and it worked well, all of them doing it together. Right? Yeah. At the same time in the studio, right? Well, it I wasn't all sort of it, built it, up from scratch. It's and, endlessly uh, fascinating to me that in a genre where bands are live and die on the abilities of their drummers, in, you know, thrash metal, that is, or, you know, yeah, yeah, older yeah. classic thrash metal, that Lars was kind of mediocre in his you know generation of, of drummers, and yet they were the baddest band. Like the that's band, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. You know that means there's something um, 
unidentified there's some there's some magic going on when those people play music together um that is not available to others to to another combination of musicians and and that's really cool and and the beatles comparison is is right on although can you imagine um uh, unlike the beatles could you imagine um the individual members of Metallica going off to having, you know, successful solo careers. And oh, yeah. Lars will be the number next one Ringo. hits in pop music, you know. You're um, 16. You're beautiful. <laughs> and you're mine. Among, uh, <laughs> among kind of uh, uh, shreddy metalheads and, and jazz funk nerds, uh, such as myself, uh, when uh, Rob got the Metallica gig, I remember the, you know, the popular opinion amongst those music nerds were that he was maybe slumming it a little bit and it you know it was cool that he got a big payday and you know health insurance and yeah, yeah, shit yeah. like that um but uh uh but yeah like the, the the people who know what that guy you know have followed rob's career and and know what he's capable of as a player we're just kind of like metallica huh and of course metallica is kind of doing the lamest shit that they've ever done at the time so um I mean, it's worked out well for him, but financially. But well, yeah, you know, but the other. But, yeah, but I mean, like everybody knows that the rest of the guys in Metallica are just a bunch of meatheads, and that's fine because for whatever reason, people you, you, get, you get them playing together, and yeah, and, you know, and they can do the thing. You know what though is that some of that, some of that though, I think is also the uh, the sort of uh, the 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 shine. For a lot of people, of Metallica has sort of waned, you know. Yeah. And so, so you tend to, you know, it's like a a lot of that stuff is not easy to pull off no. at all, which is probably why they went through whatever fifty different bases before they bass players before they, you know, oh, decided yeah. Rob the was audition the guy. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Of, it's, uh, I don't know. From watching that movie, it just seemed like there were a bunch of assholes who were miserable to hang around. Yeah, <laughs> well, that too. But and, you know, but and, and that anyone. With the chops to to hang easily, would either be um, uh, intimidating towards them and thus fucked with. Well, but like you or, said, though, he gets the music. He gets he understands or could just go get. Like well, I mean, he was in Ozzy's band. Yeah, I, yeah. So at the when Rob got the gig, Rob was Ozzy's bass player, and uh, see that seems Jay, like slumming it to me. Jason yeah. uh, Newstead swapped Swap, what right became. Now. You know, when he left Metallica, he went to work for Ozzy, and it was like a you know they just traded places, and um and and Rob immediately got like cut in financially more than of course Jason ever had been, which is super fucked up. I would like to say for a second what a badass bass player uh, you know Jason is. Go go listen to some Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, you can't hear him on Justice, but he's there and he's no, playing he's his ass off. You can you can listen to the Injustice for Jason remixes and things like that. And when I don't think I ever got to see Metallica. If I did, it wasn't a good. It, I, it wasn't unforgettable. But um, everyone that I knew who saw them in the mid '90s when they were getting into load and reload and just the dreadful shit that Bob Rock. You know, I saw him on the first leg of, of their them. black album tour. It was fucking unreal. And it was, and it was what? Yeah, everybody that I I know who saw him live said that it was unbelievably badass, and that the bass player carried the damn show, and you know, was working harder than everybody else by a good thirty percent. 
Um, and so, and he did that for, you know, a decade more, more, a little more, I think, yeah. you know, he, and he was the, like on live. Jason was the hardest working one of them, you know, the one that gave a shit the most undoubtedly, um, you know, I've seen lots of live footage, but I have this, you know, on, on word from lots of people that saw them live in better and worse periods of the band. And they just, that, that dude worked his ass off. So it, maybe I'm just irked by Metallica for <laughs> being assholes. They start, I mean, we've all seen the movie, man. They seem like assholes. Well, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, it's like, uh, look, um, but that, this is this is we talked about it with other albums. You know, it's like this is this is alcoholism. That's what happens yeah, to to people yeah. when they get into that dark that dark place. When and, you have and, enough money and, and uh, uh, that that um, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not I don't know if it's helped the music or not. But uh, you know, more power to James for for straightening up. I mean, yeah. it was him. He was the problem. There's no doubt about it. Um, well, and, and you know, maybe they needed. You know, Rob is. A, fantastic cliff substitute and right right cliff was the 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 stoned out surfer dude with a bunch of like badass musical instincts oh yeah they, and, they made and, fun of him because he wore bell bottoms and back to like, the you know the, the uh, spinal tap references is yeah. like they just need their their lukewarm water you know like yeah. that's maybe that's a, a really important component and and I mean, Jason's not that. He's he's similarly raging. Yeah, you know, I think I think he was frustrated. You know, Jason should have been in Megadeth or something the whole time, or his, uh, you know, his own band. You know, um, and uh, I, I, yeah, maybe Rob is is a bit of a secret ingredient. Like maybe they need the mm-hmm. they need the lukewarm water, mellowed out. <laughs> you know, you surfer go. dude. Shall we? Move on to track number nine, Dragon. Number nine. This album does Dragon. You're way above caring. Your heart on your sleeve. A red star of idiocy. An idiot's idiocy. My caring. My caring for you. My caring for you. You're way beyond caring. Your heart on your sleeve. A red star of idiocy. An idiot's idiocy. Caring for you, oblivious to caring, oblivious to caring, oblivious to caring. Where's Bob Rock when you need him? Yeah. That was a little more Bob Rocky, actually. There you um, go. That, Happy uh, accidents. <laughs> that, uh, a little tree there. That um. Uh, he, Bob. That you know the the strange thing is you see you got this, this sort of riff uh, you know the. the that, that kind of repeats itself, whatever, four, four bars or something yeah. it is, maybe it's eight bars, I don't know, and it just kind of goes through the whole song, but but it, it's, um, um, I don't know, there, there's something to it where where repetition, um, there's like a, there's like a wall you gotta push through, it's like the repetition is just, I can't stand that this is going over and over again, and then at a certain point, you're kind of... What does uh, Adam Neely say about that? Kind of okay with it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Repetition makes you kind of okay with it. You're kind of okay yeah, with it, yeah. I think he said that. <laughs> well, it's like that, the, the gag where, you know, like on The Simpsons when Sideshow Bob steps on the rake, the first three times it's funny, and then... 
the next eight times you're like okay we get it oh and wow then somehow it breaks through again yeah, and yeah, you know right. by like the 30th time you're like oh this is becoming funny this, again. Yeah. This, this whole album is a family guy joke exactly yeah <laughs> where the where the commitment to the bad joke has become the joke itself right yeah yeah Although, if, if only they had gotten, you know, little interludes with Conway Twitty, it would have... Um, well, everything's better with little Conway. They, he, yeah. he, he wa- they wanted too much money. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't license that shit. Man. But I, you I, should but, see the terms that he had on that. It was really unreasonable. Once again, though, the lyrics on this are like... Uh, well, they're not like. They are. They're just disturbing. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, again, back to... Metalheads love to listen to uh, gory songs about uh, dismemberment and (laughs) all the manner of mass murder and, you know, uh, 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 whatever, crazy violence and gore. And yeah, a a frank look at uh, sex work and they will lose their damn minds. That's like a. Yeah, and it's um that's well over the line. Well, right, and and, and for uh, that, I, yeah, and I would say only you know I do I do derive a lot of enjoyment from metal music. I wouldn't describe myself as a metal head. Maybe there's just a component in my brain, you know, um, yeah, that appreciates part of the left lobe yeah. or something, you know, like like likes you know certain certain aspects of that whole thing. Um, but but um, uh, yeah, this is this is it's there's just a lot of ugliness in the uh, in the lyrics yeah and and i think it's you know and i don't think it's um like i said before it's not it's not like dirty old man creepiness it's it's, it's oh i don't know i was just, getting some of that yeah, i know he's singing in character yeah. but it's hard it's hard for me to well maybe maybe that's you know maybe maybe well maybe we're just hearing it differently or maybe maybe you're right and i'm wrong well, i mean but, you, you but have, I, I think it's just more it's just more it's disturbing. more ugly than creepy yeah right? you, know, you, you have on this on the screen opposite me like a, a picture of the band in all their leather sunglassed uh, rock and roll ness um and it's just it's so funny to like I mean, look at them taking themselves as uh, seriously as they do, and and separate that from this as a as a piece of of art. You know, like that's that's maybe one of the the biggest problems with this is because they're a, a gigantic pop presence with with a a, a really well known body of work. It's it's hard to regard this as a an individual. Yeah, an individual work, and and it's just like when James uh, chimes in with a, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, in the middle of of, of a really serious um, and and you know creepy song, man, it snaps you out of it, and it's like, oh, that's right, the band is. <laughs> <laughs> the band yeah, isn't is Metallica. Isn't that, isn't that like kind of the, isn't that weird? I mean, just weird in itself how that works. It's like Metallica, the big, dark, evil, you know, metal. Yeah. Um, Scary. 666, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, never that Master shit. of Puppets. But, you know, Master of Puppets, you know, right, exactly, you know. And, and they're the ones that are providing the relief. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, oh, I can well, feel okay now. <laughs> I guess like, that, that's... This might be Lou's most Lou because that's a very Lou Reed thing it's with him hiring Lou. Lou. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, 
Uh, Maybe we've cracked the code. Uh huh. It's two lose for the price of one. Even going back into his career in the '80s, there are moments listening to Lou Reed where you're just like, you know, kind of going with whatever weird thing he's up to, and then it's like, holy shit, that 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 screwed up like you know deliberately bad guitar solo was was amazing and, and then it's like oh yeah well that's you know that's robert quine or something you know it's like there's all this deliberately ugly stuff that every once in a while catches you off guard as um as being flawlessly executed yeah. and it and it and then you're then you're like oh yeah the band is made up exclusively of badasses you know, world-renowned badasses, and in this case, it's Metallica, and it's a little bit more uh, heavy-handed yeah, than it's... than than some of the other stuff. But I mean, through throughout his career, when there's these, you know, when you can't get it, you know, Lou's probably trying to make it have you know his band make it as ugly as possible. But you know, a lot of them are just monstrous musicians, so they can't help it but let some of the the craft shine through. Here yeah, the, the irony here, I think, is is uh, in in what you're saying is that Metallica on this album is almost too elegant. Yeah, well, and they might be trying harder to give him what he wants than some of the other. Like Lou also tends to hire people with a very defined voice and big personalities, also. And like you said earlier, they he, you know his directions usually something like. Yeah, do what do it's what you D. think. <laughs> do what you think goes here. I'm gonna start playing the song now. I've actually already started playing it. This yeah. is part of the song. Why aren't you doing anything yet? You know, like and Come on, James. <laughs> Metallica might be trying to bend a little bit too much to you know, whatever whatever you want, Lou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I, there was I did get the sense from the interviews that they were kind of intimidated, a little bit starstruck. Yeah, um, Captain Lou. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Captain Lou. One of my I can't remember his name right now, but there's a Israeli guitarist that was Lou's um lead guitar his stunt guitarist for a period, um, um who went on to do a bunch of stuff with John Zorn that's fantastic. Um and it just always strikes me as like Lou hires young people with shit to prove with chops and, and shit to prove and, and, and lets them cut loose. And, you know, if he didn't want you to cut loose, he wouldn't have hired you to play on yeah. the album. But, but, you know, Metallica are no spring chickens here though, but that, uh, that is true. Younger than Lou, but um, most everybody's younger than Lou. But I think at the time of this, they're, they're pushing 50. So they're late forties probably. And looking at the picture, I would say yes, at least. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So a hard-lived so, forty, at least. Yes, yeah, so, uh, like a, you know, four forties, late forties. Yes, right? not um, you know. Yeah. So, so can we mention that, like, you know, Lou is a a, a world famous junkie, but from what I understand, pretty much cut cut out all the the drugging and drinking and crazy shit, like. A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. So he would have been dead. Yeah, yeah. so that. I mean, while he's famous for being like a drugged out musician and shit, it's like, I think he's lived a pretty clean life for a really, like, way longer than I've been alive, I think. Oh, yeah, I think he said that, uh, uh, I think he said something along the lines of, um, yeah, the Lou Reed, Lou Reed the character. He said, Lou Reed the character that the media has created for me is a, is a really fun guy. I'd like to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Um, well, are we? Here We're ready here? for the the ultimate, the longest 
song. This is the third single from the... Uh, no. <laughs> the, the live version of this is shorter by several minutes. How could it not be? <laughs> the cup, the dream is over. Get the coffee. Turn the lights on. Say hello to Junior Dad. The greatest disappointment Age withered him and changed him Into Junior Dad Okay, Junior Dad. Junior Dad. You know, if you, you on Spotify now, it shows you how many um, plays each song has. So looking at Lulu, the first song has like 44,000. The second song has about 33,000. 22,000. 15,000, 11,000. So it seems like a lot of people tried to get through this album and people drop off. People drop off, yeah. But at, yeah. by about track five, it stays about consistent at about 15,000. Until Junior Dad, a lot of people listen to Junior Dad. That one bumps up a couple thousand. Well, it has, you know, it's a song that has, it's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty. It has it has a melody. Yes. And, and uh, you know, the singing is emotive. Yes. Right, so there's there's a lot of things that you could like about it however it is also 19 and a half minutes long yeah and there is not a single song in the world i like enough to listen to for 19 and a half minutes even it got a davida is shorter than that uh, of course this is like double hearsay but in one of those interviews one of the metallica guys said that james started crying and had to go into the other room when um when uh lou was singing this yeah, well, I think that's just James. I don't think I had anything to do with the song. <laughs> well, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, like I said, this song does make you feel stuff, and everybody feels things differently. You know, Junior Dad. You know, maybe it, <laughs> maybe it struck a... Struck a uh, I was a father at the age of 14. <laughs> but maybe, maybe Junior means, you know, like, not, like, Bush League, not good enough. Yeah. Just... You know, so I I would like, like if you not not a good yes. dad, it's a, just a junior dad. So know? wouldn't his kid be the third? Because you know, yeah, senior, yeah, junior. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we do a band yeah. called Junior Dad, where Scott just sings Junior this dad. song <laughs> in James Hetfield voice? All right, <laughs> everything's better with an ad at the end. If we split it up a little bit, we could stretch this into. Yes. 10, 12, 15 yeah. songs. I played gigs that were shorter than this song. No, I do. I, yeah. that, that whole thing, I know I said it already, but I do blame Bob Rock for that because before that, James did not do that. He yes. did not do that until they tried to encourage him to sing. You know, and, uh, Try him to sing. <laughs> there's, uh, there's something I want to mention about the... Uh, the longer and longer and longer... Uh, yes. Uh, song arrangement and track order that... Um, one of my one of my favorite Melvin's album is uh, Hostile Ambient Takeover, which starts. I mean, I think the first song is like thirty seconds, and yeah. they do the same thing. They get longer and longer and longer, and slower and heavier and more dirgy um, towards the end, where the the last tune is like ten minutes long. Um, and so these guys might have uh, one upped uh, the Melvins uh, quite a bit with this. Which ridiculous like a, shtick that they've committed to but like we pointed out with the family guy uh joke uh american dad it, it only works if you if you just keep sticking keep with it yeah yeah bits. like it's c- commitment or death um with that one so uh well executed i guess and uh with that i uh 
Buzz from the Melvins is pretty uh, uh, famous for saying that he thinks this is the greatest thing that Metallica has ever done. Which may be more of an insult to Metallica than a yeah, compliment might, to the might, album. Might be I, I realize that he could mean that a couple of ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's but he could people be, were he, thinking that when you know, David Bowie be, said this was. He could was, be telling the truth. I, I, I think that he legitimately liked it. Yeah, well, you know, from what I could tell, that might just be the, by the um, take, you know. Yeah, Lou take Reed, that to mean Lou what you, what you want. This is the best thing that he's ever done. Um, not and then died. And then died. Right, and and you know. It's, not, drop, it's not atypical for <laughs> artists to always claim the most recent thing they did is the best thing they've ever done, right? So yeah. I don't know Lou's track record on all of that, but but he did seem he did seem genuinely proud of it. No, he, he did what and, he and, set out to do, whether anyone else liked it or and, not. And, and uh, you know what? I I I'm with Buzz on this one. Uh, like a, uh, I I uh, I like it. I, I I don't. I mean, I don't. Um, uh, I don't. I don't disparage it. I do think that that um, that that uh, you know, as far as a, an album, you know, as far as an album, it's not very listenable because the songs are so long. Yet at the same time, I think it does uh, it, as more of an, an artistic statement as a way of sort of pushing things forward. Um, I think it succeeds in a way that that um, Metallica hasn't done for a long, long time. Um, but I would say this is more Lou Reed than them. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the more the more that I've listened to it, the less the Metallica isms bother me. Yeah. Right. It it seems like well no they're they're just they're just kind of there to to um you know provide the context for yeah. for for this story that Lou wants to tell and and I think it's a. I think it's I think it's pretty amazing, really. Um, that said, <laughs> it's a hell of a ride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is, and but but like I said, I I don't. Oh, I'll put it this way: I don't I don't get it out of the cabinet and put it on and sit down and say I want to spend the next two hours listening to Lulu. I'm gonna I'm gonna bake some bread. Today. Yeah, but when, but when yeah, it comes on in my it. iTunes shuffle, I leave it there. I I, I don't mind listening to it at all. Yeah. Right? So so I think there's you know there's. There's something. There's something there. Um, this song also features of uh, a, um, a longtime Lou Reed collaborator, um, uh, Rob Wasserman, who's an incredible bass player, like super duper bass hero of mine, and underrated. Um, and uh, if you've ever heard Lou Reed's New York album, Rob Wasserman was pretty much the musical director on that. Um, and played, you know, he plays electric upright bass, mostly six string electric upright bass. And um, you should check out uh, his uh, There was a, a, a three albums that he did the duos, trios, and solos. The duos album is really great, the other two are pretty good too. But check those out, they're awesome. And it, it makes me happy that ho hopefully he got a he got a check. He got a check. <laughs> Now, if this. Lou hadn't died, should they have continued collaborating? Because, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, what more could they do that they didn't do here? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this was, as we mentioned earlier, I don't think this was, um, you know, I think the album's misnamed, you know, Lou Reed and Metallica. Yeah. Right? I think this is a Lou Reed album. With Metallica. With, with Metallica, right. And, and I think that, uh, you know, all the Metallica guys said that they, they, 
are very grateful for the experience because it really got them to come out of their shells, even if it doesn't always sound like it, right? Yeah. You know, apparently this was something that they were completely a type of a type of making music that they were was completely foreign to them. And, and uh, that was a, you know, it probably did, you know, it probably helped them um, in whatever ways as, as musicians. So, uh, but I, I can't see them. This isn't what they do. This isn't their style of music. No. It's not, it's not like, you know, Metallica hired Gary Sharon, Lou Reed as their <laughs> Gary Sharon to come in and sing their old hits. Right. It's no. like, it's not, it's not that situation. Um, Lou Reed is, is a, uh, you know, like we said, just the contrast. Whenever James sings, it's like, wait, all of a sudden Metallica's here? What the hell happened? Um, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's not, um, it, it's, um, I, I couldn't see any reason why they would collaborate again. But Yeah. But I don't know. This, this ground feels well trod. Right, yeah, yeah. Maybe find a different band for the next album. Uh, Plus, read in the I, yeah, I don't think lips. Lou would want to. Yeah, no, no Lou doesn't his, like to repeat himself. Yeah, so. that's his Plus, thing is scorch the earth and move on. Plus, I like the idea of, uh, I've always liked the idea of concept albums. Yeah. You know, albums that, that um, you know, hold together in, in terms of a story. Um, unfortunately, I think that, that a lot of times it doesn't make for the best music. No, telling a story that. means you're sort of beholden to the story. That was the right. problem with... Music from the elders. So. Yeah, and even even you know even with something as as classic as Tommy. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like a, you know, a lot of times you, you just got to move the story forward, right? Yeah. That's, so that's what you this have song kind of sucks, but we have right. to keep it in here because otherwise we don't know why. Right. Right. Tommy is so scared of the summer camp. This right. Thing is, <laughs> it's, this is a little abstract, though. Like that. Yes, it's more abstract, which is, which yeah. is cool. It's which it makes it more interesting. Like I. I like Tommy, but I, I do have problems sometimes with just the corniness of it. Yeah. You so know, what you're saying is there's not going to be like a Broadway revival of Lulu with a... Oh, there should be. Too bad Ethel Merman's gone. There well, I think there was be. a revival of whoever that playwright were doing him a disservice by not yeah. knowing his name, remembering I'm sure his name. I have it down uh, but, um, uh, but, um, Don't listen to podcasts yeah, for yeah. educational purposes. Apparently there we was a revival of one of his plays. Oh, Frank Wiedekind. Uh, Wiedekind. Wiedekind. Uh, uh, that he, um, because of this? No, well, no, it was It was actually, it happened before this, and it was one of his, like, I guess the two plays that Lulu had ba- based on were his most famous works, but there mm-hmm. was another play that wasn't all that famous when it occurred, when it happened, but it became famous in the revival. Hmm. And then because of increased interest in them, I think whoever put on that play or someone associated with it wanted to do something with these Lulu plays and, and uh, the, this, uh, you know, this pair of plays and then asked Lou to write songs for it, write lyrics for it. And, and um, he, so he got to work on that. And I guess that whole project sort of fell through. And when he got together with Metallica thinking, what should we do? What should we do? And he said, well, I had been doing this Lulu thing and I guess they all got on board with it. Yeah, well, originally they were just going to record a bunch of old Lou Reed songs they hadn't gotten around to. And in digging up the old demos, he's like, hey, here's Lou Lou, Lou Reed. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's the kind of stuff we're into, which so it's their fault. Yeah, so okay, that could be Metallica's fault. And also they were unformed. Yeah, yeah. they weren't as uh, they weren't as properly say demoed as yeah. those other Lou Reed songs that, that he brought in. And I think they like the idea of doing something more original. Yeah. Collaborative. Yeah. More, yeah, exactly. 
And uh, but but it's like like this is this is a you know I don't know it's it's kind of I'm I'm almost a little bit disappointed that it, it was not the spectacular. Uh, failure that I was led to believe that it was. Yeah, people treat this like the room or Ishtar or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's just it's just you know it's it's I can see why you wouldn't like it. I get yeah. that completely, but I don't think it's a colossal a colossal failure. Yeah. But like 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 you know tales from the elder songs from yeah. the elder whatever. Yeah. You know, music, from the elder. Has, music from the it elder. has more in common with music from the elder than you know, the room and things like that yeah. that are quasi outsider art kind yeah. of were just a huge there there's such a train wreck that yeah. you can't look away you can't look away but th- whereas this is meticulously crafted yeah no this is deliberate whether yeah. you like it or not this was all intentional it's as it's as tight as it is loose like, is this is this better than the spider-man uh, uh you two doing the spider-man oh yeah um, big time <laughs> It's it's what it's a lot easier again? to ignore. Turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. Right, which yeah, makes yeah, yeah. complete sense. Like <laughs> yeah. eyes wide shut. Uh, <laughs> turn off the dark. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't there for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I did, you know, I started to listen to it and was like, Ooh. but there is kind of a there is kind of a similarity there. I mean, that was a, yeah. a big Broadway production, but yes. you know, you just sort of have the U two providing, you know, whatever they do. Um, yeah. At least two of them, you know, behind them. Um, you know these Broadway songs, right? Uh, those songs had more structure, though. I guess. Yeah, those um, were songs. These are uh, ruminations. These are tone <laughs> tone poems or yes. something, or, or tone poetry. poems with poetry with poems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, um, right. And and in the improvis- improvisational quality to it as well. It's like like I think you mentioned earlier, Logan, that it sounded kind of like they were practicing, and it's it's kind of well, it is sort of like that. It, does, it? it sounds more live than Metallica. Yeah, yeah, usually sounds live. When you and when you when you jam, you can jam on the same chord for a half hour and be perfectly content doing this. Yeah, because right? no one else is there to. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't brought it up, you know, before in this, but it has it has these very uh, Grateful Dead kind of vibes where you can tell. You know, the dead would do these big medleys of songs where one would go into another, but on some of their better live recordings, there's up to several minutes of half of the band not realizing that the song has changed <laughs> yeah. to the next song yet. And I mean, you can imagine somebody walking over and like poking the other person and being like, we're doing the next oh, yeah. one now. And <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and that's a band with experience doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of bubbles and boils and metamorphosizes <laughs> into, you know, it, it's this this where traditional thrash metal is all these little intricate parts stacked up and none of them happen for very long and they're all connected by a theme or a riff or something. But the one thing you can count on is if there's something you can latch onto, it's only going to happen like seven more times before it it does something else whereas this just mutates throughout um and and doesn't give you that so it's it's really it's crazy that metallica did this yeah it is it really is and that you know it is it's just so it's so unlike them um and and uh and also also like like i i guess i i guess i'm like when I first listened to it, I thought it was, I thought, it, you know, I did think that the pairing 
just didn't work for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about today that you know that when the metallica stuff comes in when james starts singing it just like it breaks the whole spell the whole mood's gone everything you know it, it's uh but but the you know listening to it again you know here now a few years later it's a uh, I don't know. I think it, I think it works better than I thought it did before. I think that there is less haphazardness and more intentionality with what what, what Louis was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and and um, than I originally thought. Right. You know, I thought it was more like oh, you guys just play and I'll mumble over the top. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, it's like well. Um, it's kind of like who is it like like when you um uh, who's the guy Scott you told us about this before uh, H John Benjamin yeah uh, the of, of Bob's Burgers fame yeah. right and and Archer that he he did a jazz album but he can't play yeah so he just sort of banged away on a piano and hired top not musicians to come play with him yeah. and your conclusion to that was that it. Yeah, it's it's listenable. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's but it's not it's not good jazz though, right? No, no, no. it's just it's, not right. It's just like it's it's like, you know, it's it's just not. I guess what I'm getting at is that the casual listener listener listening to improvised jazz might go, "Oh, they're just playing whatever they want to, and none of it makes any sense." Right, but yeah. when but you hear someone actually doing something that makes no sense, it doesn't make you any understand. Sense at all. Right, you understand what? that that there was something happening there, yeah. and and I think this is a, you know, I, I think I think there is something happening here. I'm I'm not sure that. Um, well, know, I guess I'm just not sure Metallica's up to the the task. The task, right? well, a, but yeah, but they, you know, good for them for giving it a shot. I, I th- there's a there's a thing, you know. Your your wife probably knows a lot about this, but the um, uh, um, companies use uh, uh, com- computers to look for irregularities in in uh, um, uh, like the IRS or somebody like that would look for irregularities in um, financial dealings because of the probabilities of certain integers happening naturally due to rounding and and just you know, they can crunch numbers and be like so versus people bullshitting stuff and trying to pretend to trying, make up stuff. trying to pretend to have uh, um, trying to create a deliberately random thing is quite easily identifiable in 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 mathemat you know integer based math um, and it, there's a there's a parallel to that with music it's like if you deliberately try to do something random and stupid it's like it sounds deliberate it's our ears perk up and i mean and maybe not for everybody it might be a a more experienced listener or trained musician or something but there is it it sticks out like a sore thumb the the it's like yeah we were we were trying to sound like we couldn't play yeah um you know and and that does that like i was saying earlier with lou hires all these really badass musicians who have uh, a very uh, idiosyncratic voices musically and like makes them try to play crappy. And yeah. it, it doesn't sound like they're playing crappy. If you're paying attention, it sounds like this weird, different thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like that. Um, 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 Miles Davis aesthetic later in his career. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh yeah. As opposed to say the shags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. there's a combo. Well, and that's why why that's didn't just... the shags back up Miles Davis? Yeah. <laughs> that note. Um, is there anything we want to plug this week? I don't even know what week this is coming out. Like June something, 29th. Oh, oh buy the new Gort versus Goom album on our Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Um, it's called what is it called? Paperclip City. It came out this summer, but 
there there was a plague so you probably didn't hear about it because <laughs> we haven't played any gigs in a year and a half but yeah check that out um on Bandcamp. Paperclip City by Gort versus Goom. Paperclip City. We Paperclip. recorded it ourselves. Paperclip it, Camp. It's a no. good. Uh, uh, it's a good uh, revisitation of some material that we've had around for a long time. So check it out. Um, cool. Yeah. And with that, I guess uh, tune in next time. We'll try and figure out who this is. Bless not rights that people don't like because they all sound like everyone else. To have your own style, you got to be yourself. There's no sense being a copycat. No one wants to hear rappers like that. A world for the world.